It's our final night, and we're going to, we've been practicing, sometimes we refer to this sit as the Brahma Viharas, and some of you are familiar with that term, it means um, the heavenly abodes, and so it's about cultivating positive qualities and states of the heart and mind that are joyful states, connected states, so even though throughout the day we're kind of encouraging you to cultivate um, joy in little moments and we're encouraging you to practice kindness with yourself, this particular time for us together is to really specifically focus on these qualities of the heart. And traditionally there are four qualities um, of these these Brahma Viharas, these um, abodes, heavenly abodes. One is loving kindness. So that's what we've been doing the last three days. And then the second is compassion, which we've also been doing a lot of and encouraging you with self-compassion and compassion external. The third is um, sometimes called appreciative joy or vicarious joy, sympathetic joy. means taking joy in other people's joy. And the fourth is equanimity. And so I'm going to skip over the two middle ones and just go to equanimity because for me, in the last two years of the pandemic, I would say that the practice that has helped me the most has been the practice of equanimity. And so when we go back to this question of finding joy in troubled times, you will see that equanimity, first of all, is connected to joy. It's in some ways like another facet of joy. And it feels like something that certainly has helped me living in troubled times. So when we talked about joy being not necessarily like these blissful states, but also this can be very subtle, it can be more like contentment, and it can also be this, this like radical acceptance of life as it is, no matter what's going on. There's this radical acceptance, and when we can connect into that, there's a, a quality of like a, a, a different kind of joy. And so another way of framing this is, this is equanimity. Equanimity is a balance and even-mindedness, and a mind that can be okay no matter what is happening, right? So in our lives, in case you haven't noticed, there's a tremendous amount of ups and downs. It's like we're on this roller coaster and it's just ups and downs and sometimes it feels like we're really going down and sometimes it goes up. And and so because we don't have control over the external circumstances, the only thing we have control over is how we relate to those circumstances and how we can work with our minds. So we can meet the ups and downs of life with overwhelm and exhaustion and suffering and grief and complaint and victimization, and, you know, or we can meet the ups and downs of life with curiosity, awareness, compassion for self, compassion for others, with humor, with recognition of um, this, this difficult thing is my teacher, as we've been talking about. 
And this, the, all of these speak to the quality of equanimity, this even-mindedness and balance. You are already developing equanimity when you do the basic mindfulness practice because you're sitting there meditating. No matter what comes, you're not running, screaming from the room, no matter how many times you wanted to. Have you wanted to? Yes, yes, some of us do. Um, so instead, you're sitting with it, whether it's the knee pain or the heartache or you know, the memory that's intense. We're holding it with this awareness, with this curiosity, this openness. And then the third part of the definition that I say of mindfulness is willingness to be with that experience. You've done an amazing job of sitting with your experience for days and days. And it's not easy because we know, having talked to you, some of what some of you are experiencing has been really hard. But you have been cultivating this quality of even-mindedness and balance that is able to say, okay, I can be with this as it is. And equanimity is not apathy. It's not, it's not like, okay, everything's cool, I'm good. It's not fake. It's not, it's not disconnection. So sometimes people think it's like, it's sort of like hovering above your experience or it's, you know, apathy. It's not equanimity. Equanimity is an engaged state. It's a connected state. It's, it's a state of the subtle joy because we are stepping into life, facing life as it is and opening to it exactly as it is. And it also does not mean that we don't take action. It's definitely not like, oh, we're so zen that we'll just sit here and let harm happen to us or to someone else. No, or to the world. No, no, no. Equanimity is, um, again, it's engaged and it's a place from which when we are connected to that quality of equanimity that we see really clearly and we can take action to make change happen from a place of like a deep, deep letting go and clarity and wisdom. And we're not lost in all our reactivity. When we have a lot of reactivity, we're not in equanimity. Reactivity is when we act out of our condition patterns without consciousness. That's what we're doing most of the time. But when we practice mindfulness and we cultivate mindfulness and we cultivate equanimity through mindfulness, and we're about to do it when I finally shut up, we're going to do a practice where we cultivate equanimity. It helps us move from this reactivity to more responsiveness with life, where we're coming from a place of wisdom and connection and strength and power. I'm going to tell two equanimity stories, and then we're going to practice it. And here's the first story. Many years ago, um, I lived as a Buddhist nun in a monastery in Myanmar. It's called Myanmar now. We called it Burma back then. Both, both names are problematic for various reasons. But anyway, that's the country. Um, and so there were, I was living like in a jungle monastery, and it was very... It was kind of, there were lots of snakes and spiders and scorpions and like giant spiders, like this big, I'm not kidding, really big, like the size of a dinner plate. There were, um, yeah, big snakes, 
bugs of every kind you can possibly imagine. It was like, it was intense. You had to have a lot of equanimity to practice there. And um, you had to check under your bed to make sure there were no scorpions or centipedes and they were poisonous. Anyway, it was intense, yeah. <laughs> um, but one, there was this period of, I don't know, it had to do with like the time of year where the mosquitoes got horrendous, like really, really bad. And I was living in this little hut in the kind of like jungly forest, shrubby area. Um, and I started... So I'm supposed to be meditating. Keep this in mind, right? I'm supposed to be spending my day doing exactly what you're doing. I was living as a Buddhist nun. I'd shaved my head and renounced all my things, which actually meant I just put them into storage. But, um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's true. What can I say? <laughs> I got them back. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> So, um, so yeah, so I was meditating. I was spending the year meditating and doing what you're doing as a nun, dressed in robes and, you know, with a commitment not to eat after 12 noon. We were, we were only allowed two meals a day, one at five and one at like 1030 in the day and then no food the rest of the day and, um, no singing or dancing. That was the one I hated the most, honestly. No sex, of course, because you're celibate nun, um, no, what else? can't even remember. Killing, stealing, all the ones that you agreed to, same. Um, so anyway, lost my train, was practicing. The, the mosquitoes were getting really bad. You couldn't kill anything, right? So you had to, I had this vow of not killing, so I couldn't kill. So I'm supposed to be meditating, doing this all day long, but instead I was like, oh, what if I figure out some mosquito traps? So I started designing these mosquito traps. <laughs> and I came up, the first one I had, I would take this, there was a lake nearby, and I would take this bucket of like really disgusting lake water, and I would plop it in the middle of the room, and the mosquitoes would all land on it. And then I would take a, a, a lid or something, cover it, and like run it out of the room. Kind of worked. And then the second one um, was, well, I had no, no screens on the windows, so I would, and there were holes in the wall, I guess, for ventilation. So I would put, like, magazines over to cover up the holes in the wall, and then I started, like, boiling. It was like meditating in a sauna. So that didn't work, but it kept the mosquitoes out. And then finally, um, I discovered that if I turned the light on outside in the porch, turned the lights off in the room, stood in front of the window and said, come and get me. The mosquitoes would fly at me. And then I'd jump out of the way and they'd, they'd fly through the window. I was like a toreador, a mosquito toreador. So, so that actually worked. It was great. But you can see what's happening. I'm just not meditating. I'm designing mosquito traps and spending like a good portion of the day dealing with this. And there was finally this moment of recognition where I realized what I was up to, and that was when I um, that was when I realized that I could design all the mosquito traps in the world, but there would always be another mosquito, and that my job was to um, learn to have a mind that could be okay even amidst the mosquitoes. And that was when my practice took itself to a new level, where I was like, I stopped. Do, obviously, I stopped doing it. And then I would use that phrase, there's always another mosquito. There's always another mosquito. And it was helping me to develop equanimity 
the capacity to be with things as they are. So that's one story. And then my second story, pretty short. And then we'll meditate. I'm just entertaining you for, so you don't have to meditate for too long. You've been meditating all day. You're tired. I'll go on it. And then in 1978, what happened was, no. All right, one more story, and then we will meditate. Um, when my daughter was little, so one of the things about being a parent and telling stories about your daughter in meditation settings is it makes the, da- the kids sound like they're, like really amazing gurus and stuff. But just so you know, that like 99.9% of the time they're just normal. And then once in a while they tell a story, they, they have something that you can turn into a Dharma story. So it's like 1%. Or something. Anyway, so um, when my daughter was about four years old, she was, and when she was younger, she was very like frightened of loud noises and was very, she was, she really just didn't like crowds and loud noises. And so she um, she wanted, to, but she really wanted to go to this like little kids play or something. And it was an outdoor event at night, and they, it was like Halloween or something. So all the kids were in lots of interesting costumes. And I decided to take her, and we got there. And the second we got there, crowds, noise, tons of kids running around in like all their costumes, and um, I started to feel panicky inside. And I was like, uh-oh, she's going to have a hard time. She can't handle this. And then, and then I, so I started faking it. I started going, oh, look, it's not too noisy. There are not too many people here. It looks great. And she looked at me and she said, mommy, it is noisy. There are too many people. But I can handle it. And that's equanimity, right? That's it. It's like no matter what the heck is going on, we can, we can find that place of ease and well-being even when it gets really hard. And even when the world seems like just horrific and like how could this be going on? There is nothing we can, we can't, we can't, I mean, please act. Act and do everything you possibly can that you are motivated to do and that you have capacity to do. But also we know that there's so much that is not in our control. And so finding that place within us that can be okay, no matter what is happening, this is crucial to live in these times and to act in these times. That deep place inside us of profound equanimity to be okay, no matter what is happening. So let's do an equine. You want more stories? <laughs> Should I do one more? This isn't about equanimity, but it's like a funny one about my daughter. Should I just like just keep you from meditating? <laughs> okay. Let's see. It's eight thirty-two. Okay. We can have more stories. You can tell some stories if you want. Okay. All right. This is just one where where the um, when I would <laughs> once when she was even littler. We were um, like maybe three or maybe three, four. I, we went to like something like a, a, I don't know, some big box store or something. And we were waiting in line for something. And the cashier was, it was just so crowded. And the cashier wasn't doing, was slow. And I was getting frustrated. And I was getting really mad. And we were like inching along, inching along, 
did not get to the, um, it, it took, anyway, it took a long time. We go up back, we, we got upstairs where we were parked, we got in the car, and as we were getting in the car, and she's like sitting in the back, and I said, and I said, um, I'm really frustrated. You know, that's one of the things that I actually liked doing is letting her know how I was feeling and not trying to hide it, although the other story I did. But anyway, <laughs> so I was like, I was like, I'm really frustrated. I'm so angry. That person really pissed me off. I was so hard. It was so awful. And this little tiny voice from the back goes, breathe, mommy. <laughs> it's true. I swear to God. <laughs> So the rest of the time, she doesn't do stuff like that. That's my point. It's just um, the, fun, the fun little ones that I become part of my Dharma world. Okay, that's enough stories. I'm gonna, let's meditate. I've spent a good 20 minutes chit-chatting. Okay, so we want to do the equanimity practice and just to settle in and get comfortable. And you'll see it has a lot of um, resonance with the... Um, with the loving-kindness practice, and there's a lot of similarities in that we take phrases and we send out thoughts and we uh, explore the feelings inside ourselves as we do this. So let's settle in for a bit, just for a few minutes of coming back to your anchor, your home base. Being with your body, heart, mind. Letting yourself be where you are. Noticing what's here for you, what's true in this moment. The rising, falling of your abdomen or chest, the air coming in and out of your nose, or the sounds, if the sounds are your anchor, coming and going. There may be body sensations, emotions, thoughts, all part of it. So just in this moment, being with what's here, and this is actually in and of itself, building equanimity.
So to do this practice where we cultivate equanimity, let yourself bring to mind a time in your life where you may have had equanimity. So a time when you felt even and balanced, perhaps non-reactive, perhaps um, you handled something better than you ever would have imagined. And this doesn't have to be anything dramatic. It could be something very simple, small. It might be a big thing. It might be a small thing. And if you can't think of anything, maybe you've read about somebody having this quality or you witnessed it in someone else, you can kind of imagine what it might be like. So for those of you who, for all of us, see if you can remember the circumstances of the situation. Where were you? What could you see and hear, feel? And when you handled the situation well or It might even be some aspect of yourself that you really were okay with, where you could be with experience as it was. What did it feel like in that moment? What did it feel like? And as you remember the situation, try to remember what it felt like in your body. Or if you are imagining it, what might it feel like? Maybe there's a quality of solidity, strength, spaciousness. Uh, no nonsense, like, I can do it, I can be with this. And just breathe and sense and feel that experience, if that's possible, or maybe imagine what it might be like. And as you feel and sense this, you can say some words like, I could be with this, with equanimity. I could be with things as they were. I could handle this with grace, with with ease. For any words that help you remember this time and this feeling, Breathing, sensing, allowing this quality to be remembered and to arise now. And 
And even if it's just a little bit, it doesn't matter. Just sensing it, feeling it, remembering it, recalling. I could be with things as they were. I met this situation with equanimity. I can handle it. Breathing and sensing. And just noticing what it feels like. What does my body feel like with this possibility, this equanimity? And now letting go of this particular memory or whatever you've used to contemplate equanimity. Let's bring to mind something right now in your life where you're not feeling a lot of equanimity. And I encourage you if especially if you're new to this practice, don't pick the hardest thing in your life. Pick something mild or moderate. For those of you with experience with the practice, really go for whatever you're drawn. And this could be a place that, a situation where you feel really reactive, um, where you're in resistance to It could be a person that you're having a hard time with. It could be some aspect of yourself that's hard to uh, connect with or part you don't like, maybe. So we can use some phrases to help us connect with the equanimity that you just had a taste of. We can say, things are as they are. Things are as they are. May I be with things as they are. And so I'm going to give you a number of phrases and maybe one of them or two of them or more might connect. And when they do, just listen to the resonance in your body like, yeah, that one makes sense to me. Things are as they are. May I be with things as they are. May I be with this as it is. You are as you are. May I be with you just as you are. Breathing and sensing and noticing. What does it feel like as you say these words? You might say, I am as I am. May I accept myself just as I am. And so we say these words slowly in our minds and notice the reverberation. So when you say a phrase, 
May I be with things as they are. May I be with you as you are. You can also use accept. May I accept things as you are, as they are. Or you might come up with your own words. May I know I'll get through this. May I open to this with equanimity. May I handle this with ease and grace. Find some words that make sense to you in your situation. Making sure to breathe. And say a phrase or two and then pause and notice what's happening in your body. And as you do this, you may be experiencing that quality we felt earlier, that sense of equanimity. Maybe there's solidity or spaciousness or ease. So if there is, allow that to be here. Really allow yourself to feel whatever it is that's coming up. And if you're not feeling equanimity, which is absolutely possible, notice what it is you are feeling. That's actually equanimity with whatever is happening, including no equanimity. Things are as they are. May I be with things as they are. You are as you are. May I be with you as you are. I am as I am. May I be with myself as I am or accept myself as I am. What else do you want to say to yourself? This too shall pass. I will get through this. I'm not the only one. So let's try this for a few minutes on our own, saying the phrases, and say them slowly, and then check in. Say a phrase or two or three, and then check in with your body and notice what's here, letting whatever is here be here. If you say it and then you start to space out and think about other things, just come back to the phrases. Let's try it just a couple minutes on our own and see what happens.
checking into your body, heart and mind. If that quality of this ease is present, really enjoy it, allow it to be here. If it's not, we can say, for whatever it is I'm feeling right now, may I hold this too with kindness. For whatever it is I'm feeling right now, including the opposite of equanimity, may I hold this too with kindness, with awareness. And if it feels as you're doing this practice that you're wanting a little bit of compassion for yourself or loving kindness, just offer that to yourself now. Sometimes when we do this practice, we get frustrated or angry or fearful. So we can just offer some kindness. May you be safe. May I be safe and protected. May I open my heart with compassion. May I hold this with compassion. So check in, what is needed now? More equanimity, more compassion. Letting yourself be exactly where you are. Seeing what words want to be said, what feeling is present. And also notice with this situation, is there something that needs to be done here? If you're coming from a place of equanimity, not reactivity, although there may be some, but from a place of being with life as it is, what action is there to take, if any? And how does it feel to imagine, sense, take that action in your mind? or make that commitment towards that action. Let's come back to whatever is happening in our body, heart, and mind. Everything is okay. It's all part of being this human being. There's always another mosquito. We're doing the best we can. I can handle this. Notice how you're feeling as we close the meditation. And 
again, for whatever it is I'm feeling right now, may I hold this too with kindness, with awareness. And may all beings, may all, all of us have access to deeper states of letting go and letting be and love and connection and compassion and equanimity. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.